0: Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for staying home for the holiday. (laughs) It's always a little scary, and I always feel like this is much more fun when people are actually here, but I don't know, call me crazy. Hey, uh. Seth, thank you for leading us this morning. You know, I think sometimes um, we probably wonder about the people up here, uh, you know, they kind of magically appear. And um, Seth, who's leading us this morning, Dr. Pruitt, is, um, he has a day job. And uh, he's a professor at Arizona State University when he's not helping us with worship. One of those really smart guys. And uh, I think he's a professor of economics, something like that. Yeah. And just so we're really, just full disclosure, I can spell economics two out of three times. So he's a smart guy and he's a gifted person and we're grateful. So thank you very much for being here. Hey, um, <laughs> Adam was talking about the end of the year, beginning of... 2018 we're kind of at that cusp of finishing out one year and and starting a new year and and you know we don't know I, I don't know how good a, a year it's been for you how you feel about it um, whether you're just sort of charging in uh, to 2018 revved up and uh, ready to go uh, or whether you're sort of sliding into home today and you uh, and just grateful to get that behind you. Um, you know, 2016 was one of those years for me that I, I just was sliding in, and I was kinda saying, okay, two, 2017's gotta be better. You know, I, I lost a mom and a sister, and all, you know, just all this stuff going on, and it was just one of those end of the years where you kinda take a deep breath and go, okay, we're gonna start over here, you know? We get, a, we, we get to another year ahead to, to see what the Lord has, and, and, and uh, it can't be worse, right, than the last year, and I'm, I'm, still, I'm still here. So uh, how, however you're here this morning, I, I want us to take a few minutes and reflect uh, on our lives, and I'm gonna do that out of a really fun little passage of scripture uh, in, in what's called the wisdom literature, in the Old Testament, we're going to look at, in, in, at a passage in the book of Proverbs, and this might be a, a little passage that you've, uh, you know, sort of glazed over, you know, when you've looked at it, or, or you may be familiar with it or not, but uh, let me just read Proverbs 24 verses 30 to 34 for you, and then we'll come back and talk about them. Proverbs 24 verses 30 to 34 says, I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was overgrown with thorns, and the ground was covered with nettles, and the stone wall was broken down. And then I saw and considered it. I I looked and received instruction, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an unarmed, uh, and want like an armed man. Well, Given that passage, why don't we just pray real quick before we, uh, before we jump into this? All right. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that we have to look at Your Word, Lord. That we we acknowledge that this is part of our worship, as we allow You to speak to our hearts not only through the music, and the lyrics of the music, Lord, but also through Your Word. So we ask right now, Lord, that you would open our hearts and our minds to what you have for us, that you would speak uh, to us this morning. Lord, change us as a result of, of your word, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, so the first thing, I passed by the field of a sluggard. That's a great, that's a great Bible word, isn't it? Great Old Testament word, and, and some of you may be you know, sort of grumbling a little bit, you know, is he calling us sluggards? maybe, but a sluggard here is defined in that verse, in verse 30, um, as a man lacking sense, Uh, a a man who lacks sense, a a man who uh, has kind of lost his thought process, who who doesn't get it, Uh, and and then we know sluggards, there's kind of a couple of definitions of sluggards that you might find in the dictionary. Uh, One is uh, someone who's sluggish, there you go. Um, that's perhaps the most obvious. And then the other one is a lazy person. Uh, but what the proverb is talking about, what the wisdom writer is talking about, it, is, it has to do with, uh, with sluggish or lazy thinking Uh, lazy processes uh, in their life and so he says I passed by the field of a slugger by the vineyard of a man lacking sense and if you were reading this in the Old Testament you would immediately uh, have this picture of a vineyard because in in the southern part of Israel Uh, and in Palestine, they were famous for their vineyards. In fact, hundreds of years before anybody had ever heard of French wine, uh, they knew about the wine in this part of the world that they were already exporting wine to Egypt and Rome and other places uh, way before the French ever thought of it, Uh, so it was a well-known place. So everybody was familiar with what a vineyard would look like, uh, and they immediately had this picture of a place, a vineyard, uh, that was supposed to be growing grapes, that was supposed to be providing the grapes for wine that was a chief export, but for some reason, the person that was uh, that owned this vineyard had allowed it to go to seed, had allowed it to grow uh, these nettles, which is a kind of weed that grows in that part of the world, and also thorns. And then he says that the wall that's supposed to protect the vineyard from animals and people you know, stealing your grapes and all of that, that wall, It's not that somebody came and broke it down, but from neglect, the wall had sort of just caved in. Uh, That maybe the weeds had grown through the 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 bricks in the wall, or um, you know, nature taking its course. But for whatever reason, the wall started to crumble from neglect. And, and so he's saying that this man is lacking sense. He's not paid attention to his vineyard. And now it's overgrown with thorns, the ground's covered with nettles, and its stone wall is broken down. In verse 32, he says, I saw it and considered it. I looked and received instruction. So we're really going to talk about two things this morning uh, from, from these verses. The, the, the first thing that we're going to talk about is that the metaphor of a vineyard what's your vineyard like this morning and where in the vineyard of your life have you allowed nettles or weeds and thorns to grow down and the wall to decay and crumble? And then we want to take a moment this morning to to consider, to really take a good look at our vineyard and consider it. You see, a couple of things happen, but part of it is that we get moving so fast sometimes and we get so distracted uh, that we don't even know uh, that there are weeds growing in our lives. We don't even know that the walls are breaking down in our lives, that we haven't taken the time to take a deep breath and consider what's going on on the inside of us and, and what's happening in our lives. And so he says in verse 33, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. So I have this great picture of um, A Little Sleep, A Little Slumber, the the idea that you get drowsy, uh, that we kind of fall asleep at the wheel, um, that we're not paying attention anymore. And then the one that I really liked was a little folding of the hands to rest because you know what I thought of immediately was high school. (laughs) Did you ever sit at a desk in high school and fold your hands and rest? I might have done that, maybe. That's kind of why it came to mind so quickly. Um, but, uh, but what happens when you do that? You're, you're not paying attention. I don't see any high school kids, I think we're okay. Um, but uh, you're not paying attention anymore. You're, you're sort of off daydreaming off in another world, you're, you're getting sleepy. And, and so he's talking about somebody that's taken their eye off the ball. He's talking about somebody that, uh, that has stopped paying attention, that's allowing their mind to wander, that's just uh, closing their eyes and, and uh, not watching uh, anymore. And he says that, that, that uh, this defines a slugger that's one lacking in sense, in, in sense. And, uh, and then he says the result of this is that poverty will come upon you like a robber. Isn't that true? So here's what happens in our lives. We, we stop paying attention. We allow weeds to grow in our hearts and in our lives. Uh, we allow the, the thorns to grow. We allow the wall to start crumbling. And then when tragedy happens or something difficult happens, that we're surprised by it. How did this happen? Well, it happened because we had been allowing weeds to grow. It happened because we had been allowing um, thorns to to grow in our lives, that we hadn't been paying attention to the vineyard that God has planted on on the inside of us, and that happens, and then he says that the result of that that is that poverty will come upon you and want like an armed man. Poverty and want. Now, want is sort of an interesting Bible word, isn't it? Anybody know where the other time that you see that prominently uh, in the Bible? Yeah, 23rd Psalm, you know, Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want, I shall not have need of anything. Uh, the, the person who is in poverty and want feels like they have need of everything. They feel like they have lost everything. Uh, they, they feel like everything has come uh, unglued for them. Everything is gone. Uh, there, I was reminded of a great story I read, there was years ago in the LA Times about a guy who uh, moved away from town and 20 years later, he came back and he decided for, on a lark that he was gonna go to his old house and, and uh, see his old house, so he got really nostalgic. He went knocked on the door and, and uh, said, you know, I used to live here 20 years ago. I grew up in this house. And they said, oh, come in, you can look around. And, and he, he managed to get up into the attic and he found an old jacket in the attic. And, and when he pulled the jacket out, he realized in the, in the pocket, um, he had a receipt from a, a shoe repair store and so he took the receipt and uh, he, he thought, this would be fun. I'm gonna go back to the shoe store and ask for my shoes after 20 years. And so he went into the shoe store and he handed the guy's receipt and he said, I'd like to pick up my shoes. And and the guy looked at the receipt and he walked to the back of the store uh, and he comes back out and he says, your shoes will be ready on Thursday. And here's the truth for sluggards like me, right? It, it, I've, I never say, uh, I, I never say, uh, and I don't tell myself never. I, I never say I'll never do that, I'll never discipline myself, I'll never you know, try this. I, I typically don't say that to myself, but what I do say, uh, it, what I do tell myself is a week from Thursday, right? Uh, okay, I'll start that a week from Thursday. Or you know, I'll start that, di- you should always start diets on Mondays, right, so I'll, I'll start that on Monday. Or after sometime after the first of the year, um, I'm gonna, I'll be back at the gym and, um, and, and, working out or, you know, we rarely say never, but we often say a week from Thursday. We, we often say, okay, I'm going to start that. You know, I got to get a few things out of the way and, and then I'm going to start, you know, cultivating that vineyard again. I'm, I'm going to start pulling some weeds and, and pulling some thorns and I'm going to start rebuilding that wall, but I'm going to get to it in a week or so. And, and what happens to us is that, that somehow that week turns into a month, and and we never quite get to where we want to go, and that's one of the pictures um, of our life. You know, we, you know, we know that prayer is really important, uh, and we think to ourselves, you know, when I'm, when I'm old, I'm really going to be devoted to prayer. You know, when the kids are out of the house, and everything calms down, and and I've got a lot of spare time, I'm, I'm gonna really commit myself to prayer. Or, or, you know, we know we need to get our spiritual lives in shape and we need to get involved in, in church. So maybe if you're younger, you say, well, when we have kids, then I'm gonna really feel the need to get involved in church and so, a week from Thursday, down, down the road when I have kids, that's when I'll start getting involved and, and we have this ability to sort of push things out, uh, things that we know we should be doing, things that we know should be part of our lives and, and the writer of Proverbs wants to sound a wake-up call and I hope it, this happens to all of us this morning, that the danger is not that I say never, but the danger is when I say next Thursday. Uh, The the danger is when I say, I'm going to put this off uh, for a week, when when I get a little less busy, and and this statement gives me permission to avoid uh, doing what God is calling me to, what God's put in my heart, the thing that I feel like I ought to be doing. Uh, The the writer of Proverbs also, and not just in this chapter, but in other parts of Proverbs, uh, tells us that a sluggard this person with, who's lacking sense, this this person who's lazy, um, this per, specializes in making excuses. It, it doesn't take much of an excuse. It could be a pretty flimsy excuse, and that's how our minds work because our commitment is, our our, our commitment is not to doing it, uh, and so any any pretext any excuse will work for us Um, sometimes we justify our inactivity because we feel like we're overwhelmed and and we feel like we're so fatigued and we don't have enough energy to do what we ought to do that's why in proverbs 26 14 it says as a door turns on its hinges so a sluggard turns on his bed Uh, i like the way one author stephen covey used to talk about it Uh, he said it's it's always about mind over mattress it's always about making that decision regardless of how uncomfortable it is to, to get out of bed, to, to, to start your day, to make a decision. And here's what I would say to you that I've learned over the years is that if you want to get up earlier and read the scripture, exercise, whatever it is that you've decided that you're going to do, you make that decision the night before. You don't make that decision that morning. That you decide the night before when you go to bed uh, and what time the alarm is set uh, whether or not you're going to do what you need to do in the morning. Just thought I'd throw that out from experience. Um, you know, we might, uh, there was a great little story I read about a wife who says, you know, uh, um, why don't you go outside and, you know, play with our son, and, uh, or why don't you mow the yard, and the grass is so high, the, the kids went out two days ago, and we still haven't been able to find them, and, and, uh, <laughs> the husband explains I don't have an, any energy I, I gave it the office I'm completely fatigued and and then magically the phone rings and somebody asks him to go golfing um, and what happens at, you, you know it's a miracle. There's, all of a sudden there's energy there and, and uh, uh, the vitality comes swooping back into his body and, and it wasn't an energy problem at all, but it was what he was telling himself about what he really wanted to do or could do. Uh, the the uh, Sluggards, we don't see our own, this is a great word, you can write this down because I think we just made it up, but a sluggard doesn't see their own sluggardism. A sluggard doesn't see their own, sluggardism. not And that's why Proverbs 26:16 says this, sluggards are wiser in their own eyes than seven people who answer sensibly. You want me to read that again? Or you go, you get with that? I'll read it one more time. Sluggards are wiser in their own eyes than seven people who answer uh, sensibly. In the ancient world, seven was often the number that suggested completeness or fullness. And the idea of this proverb is that in the sluggard's mind, the rationale for not taking action is always stronger than authentic wisdom. The idea to procrastinate, the idea to put it off, the idea that we can talk ourselves into things, we can tell ourselves next Thursday, and we can justify it in our own minds over authentic wisdom that comes from... uh, from friends, from from wise people, and the result is that thorns and nettles and walls are broken down. There's another word that I like to use that happens when we allow this to happen uh, in our lives, and that's atrophy. You know what atrophy is? Uh, It's our bodies and our minds and our relationships, everything's susceptible to atrophy uh, without exercise and work. So I I, I can tell you firsthand, um, if you ever have shoulder replacement surgery, you're gonna experience some atrophy because you can't lift anything, you're in a sling for six weeks and then you can't lift anything over five pounds for another six weeks and, and then by the time you get to where they say you can actually lift a little bit of something, there's so much atrophy that it's like starting over again in your body because it's, atrophy comes from, from three things that are common things. Uh, the first though is poor nutrition can create atrophy. So one of the things that happens when you have uh, shoulder replacement surgery and you can't exercise uh, is that you still eat all the things you ate when you were exercising. That's a really bad idea. The second part of atrophy is a lack of exercise. We just let our muscles get soft. We let ourselves get weak. And then the third thing is reduced uh, mental capacity. That, that we just aren't thinking clearly anymore and, and so we atrophy because we're not challenging our minds, we're not thinking clearly, we're not pushing ourselves. I have some great, a great example of this um, in this article that just came out uh, from Japan. Um, check this out. A Japanese company rents instant family and friends. So a Japanese business called Family Romance has actors for hire ready and willing to be anything from your baby to your grandparent. In an increasingly isolated and entitled society, the CEO predicts that the exponential growth of his business and others like it as a la carte human interaction becomes the norm." And this was from uh, a guy named Rock Morin in The Atlantic reporting. There doesn't seem to be any uh, ask too big for this company. Uh, the, the the CEO of this company says he's played a dad to children who don't know he's been hired. He's been a groom in a fake wedding that the attendees didn't know was staged. His company even provided a baby for a pregnant woman who hadn't yet delivered, but who was desperate to have her dying dad meet his grandchild. And as outlandish as this idea might sound now, it's ultimately believable that this trend could come one day to America. If the CEO is right, the desire to rent loved ones comes out of a longing for control combined with a vast laziness, two sentiments alive and well in our current culture. Describing why women choose to hire him as a boyfriend, the CEO said, women typically say that in a real relationship, it takes years to create a strong connection. For them, it's a lot of hassle and disappointment. It's easier to schedule two hours per week to interact with an ideal boyfriend. There's no conflict, no jealousy, no bad habits. Everything is perfect. We would call that atrophy. Uh, We would call that uh, allowing weeds to grow, that we would substitute renting uh, a boyfriend, renting a girlfriend, renting a spouse, renting a child to going through all of the pain, all of the challenge of building relationships, of understanding each other, growing deep in in your relationship with each other. Jenna and I, in just about, oh, I don't know, a little more than a week, we'll celebrate 42 years of being married to each other, yeah, it's, it's a long time. Now. It says a couple things, one, we're getting old. It says, the other thing it says, though, it is that we've had to deal with all kinds of issues in our relationship, we've had to deal with all kinds of struggles, we've, we've, we've raised you know three sons, we've have grandkids, we've got, had losses in our families together, we've walked through all of those kind of life experiences together and, and we've allowed those things and, in most cases to allow our relationship to get deeper and sweeter uh, rather than, I can't imagine if we hadn't done that but we had settled for something so shallow as, as just borrowing a relationship, of just renting a relationship. Uh, if we'd had given up on, on working through, you know, times when she was so wrong. Um, <laughs> and, and hadn't dealt with those things in our, in our relationship. I know, she's not here yet. She's in, I think she's in the nursery, so uh, we're recording the second service. Um, Thank yeah, thank you, I'm sure you will. Um, but uh, we've, we have that great uh, privilege of working through those things. You know, most of us, uh, a, a lot of you would say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not lazy, I'm, I'm not in atrophy. Um, in fact, Larry, I'm an overachiever, I'm a type A overachiever. And just because we think this about ourselves doesn't mean that the slugger has nothing to teach us. Most of us suffer from selective atrophy. You know, you might be really active, even hyperactive in a bunch of areas in your life, but there's always one vineyard, there's always one part of our lives that we don't like to talk about or we don't like to think about despite the fact that the weeds are getting pretty high in our lives. You know, imagine the dad whose career is going great and he's climbing the corporate ladder high and fast and he's got a Rolodex, they used to have Rolodexes. Um, I'm aging myself. Um, Rolodex file full of names, but the kids are drifting away and that vineyard is a mess. Uh, or it's the mom who drives to a lot of soccer games and is going full blast, but her soul is, shiver, is uh, shriveling away on the inside. Or it's the couple that has what looks like a great house, a great life, lots of friends and lots of stuff, but they haven't had a meaningful conversation with each other in months. And every day they're drifting a little farther apart and every day there are more weeds in their vineyard, in the vineyard of their marriage there's the middle-aged guy who looks okay on the outside but whose finances are so messed up that sometimes he can't sleep at night and his vineyard is growing weeds. Most of us have at least one area where there's some atrophy and so the question is what do you do about it? If you're willing to say I have a vineyard where there are some weeds, the writer of Proverbs in uh, Proverbs 6.6 has some uh, advice for us and here's his advice. He says, go to the ant, O sluggard, Consider her ways and be wise. Have you ever looked at how an ant stores its provisions in the summer and gathers its food in the harvest? And there are two particular things that we learn about ants that I wanted to point out this morning. That the first is that the ant doesn't require external motivation Uh, that there's no commander, overseer, no ruler applying the whip. It knows that if you're waiting around for somebody else to get your life into shape, uh, if you expect your boss, your parents, your teachers, your spouse, or friends to make you do the right thing, then you're in serious trouble. Uh, But the ant knows when it's time to set out provision. The ant knows when it's time to work uh, and when it's not time to work. The second thing about the ant is they uh, understand the law of opportunity. Even uh, in the summer, the ant stores its provisions and maybe I wish it was, uh, wasn't summer, maybe I'm tired, I wish the kids weren't so young, demanding right now, uh, but they'll uh, only be this age for one time. There's one season in your life that, that you have kids uh, that age, and there aren't do-overs. You know that when your five-year-old becomes a 15-year-old, you can wish all you want they were five again, but you don't get to go back. You gotta seize every one of those moments. One of the great things about being a grandparent is that you get it now right? And so we've had a, you know, almost five-year-old and an, and an almost three-year-old at our house all week, in fact, uh, and beside the fact that I'm slightly sleep-deprived, um, the, the reality is that I get it now. I get that these moments are so precious, because I've watched them fly by once, and I don't want to miss anything this time. I wanna make sure that I, that I store up every little moment that I can, that I get every hug out of them that I can uh, because I know that I'm gonna blink and they're gonna be too big, uh, that they're gonna be grown up. And, and those of you who have this opportunity now that your kids are at home, that you're, just, you're still raising your family, you, you don't wanna miss a second of that, the weeds grow too fast in our lives. You know, many of us don't want to look at our vineyard because we're ashamed or embarrassed. We think that everybody else around us seems to be doing so well in their lives and, and I've been so neglectful in one area and I know it's important and I know it's not a trivial thing and yet I've neglected it, but here's the good the good news for us this morning that, that we can never overcome atrophy on our own uh, because it's too much for us it's not too much for God atrophy isn't irreversible to God atrophy will not get the last word in creation it doesn't have the last word in our lives the good news is that Jesus said ask me and I'll help you with it And this is the strangest thing about atrophy. It has such power in our lives that that we lose focus, that we allow the weeds to grow. But if we ask God and take one step of faith in our vineyard, God will help us in such a way that you'll think, you know what, this isn't nearly as overwhelming as I thought it was gonna be. This isn't as bad as what I expected. So here's a question for you this morning. Where is God calling you to take action in your life? This really isn't a tough question, is it? Because we instinctively know, at least on the surface, we know some areas uh, that God wants us to take action in our lives. Verse 32, back Proverbs 24, that when he really looked at it and considered it carefully, the vineyard taught him something. Uh, have we allowed the, the vineyard to teach us? Have we look at our lives and, and not just sort of skim over the issues or, or not just sort of give up, but allow it to take the time to allow it to teach us something? Uh, you know, if I neglect this part of my life, I'm gonna pay a price somewhere, sometime uh, ahead in the future. What is it teaching us in our lives? And, and so the question is this, where's God asking me if, uh, where is God calling me to ask him for help and to take action maybe it's in our work life Proverbs has a lot to say about work God calls us to do we also have Colossians 3.23 that Paul the Apostle Paul says whatever you do do it with all your heart as unto the Lord uh, as if you were doing it for God you know how many times I've shared this with a young person who really doesn't like their boss uh, you know hates what they do and I said, you know what here's, here's what really matters today though that do whatever you do is unto the Lord. Uh, You know, it's really not about your boss at this moment. It's really about what's God called you to do? How has he called you to care for your vineyard? How does he want you to respond in that situation? Maybe finances are the vineyard that you've been neglecting, and God's saying, trust me, just take one step of faith. Maybe your vineyard is a circumstance concerning your physical health. Paul writes to the church at Corinth, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Therefore, honor God with your body. The question is, are we doing that? Are we caring for that part of our vineyard? How are you treating the temple that that God has given given you. You don't need to get obsessive about it, but we need to pay attention to it. We need to think about it. Maybe your vineyard is your soul. Jesus said, what will it profit a person? What will it profit a human being to gain the whole world but forfeit his soul? Maybe it's career, financial, social vineyard, but what about your soul? God says, I'll help you with that if you'll take steps toward me. And God is our model in this. He created the world, and then as he watched human beings brought down in sin and pride, He God, did, God looked at the weeds in our world, and he said, I'm gonna do something about it. I'm gonna send my son. Um, God never follows the path of least resistance, but God loves us so much that he does what he needs to do for us. He sends his son to give us eternal life, Maybe God's showing you that you've never really trusted him with your soul, but always say a week from Thursday, a week from Thursday, I'll start this discipline. A week from Thursday, I'll start reading my Bible. I'll start praying. We always do that, and God is calling us to say, you want know what, there are weeds growing in your heart. There are weeds growing in your soul. There are thorns that are growing up. There's resentments that are building. There, there are things happening in your life that are, gonna, that are not gonna reap what you want. They're not gonna produce what you want in your life. So let's just say this the last day of 2017 what if we were to say this is your day this is the day this is my vineyard this is it that I'm going to take one step and God really is going to respond so I want to ask you this question at the end of 2018 what do you want to say about your life at the end of 2018 will, will you look back and say you know what the weeds are just higher now the walls and just more disrepair? That the thorns have gotten more prickly and more painful in my life? Uh, Or or do you wanna look back on on 2018 and say, God, thank you for helping me dig those weeds out of the vineyard of my heart, my life. Thank you for for giving me the opportunity to pause and and look at what I was doing in my life. Look how I was caring for people. Look how I was responding to things. So just to be super practical, (laughs) <laughs> for 2018, that whole idea of atrophy, you know, that began with, you know, poor nutrition and then lack of exercise and then uh, the, the, the last part was reduced mental capacity. I want to give you three cures, three cures for atrophy in your life. So here's the first one. Uh, the, the, the cure, the poor nutrition, feed yourself. So here, here's, here's my idea. I want to invite you to join me. Uh, I, I decided, I hadn't done this in a, in a few years, and I was, I was thinking about my grandmother recently for some reason, and you know, my grandmother um, read through the Bible every year for 50 years. Every year, she read the whole Bible 50 times in her life. And I hadn't done it in a while, and I decided that, uh, that this year I was going to read through the Bible this year. So I'm going to invite you to anybody that would like to join me. And uh, just to put uh, boots in the ground, I have out at the big table on your way out today, I have copies of Robert McShane's uh, one-year Bible plan. And you can just pick one up, and uh, it's on both sides of the sheet of paper, and you can join me in reading through the, the whole Bible this year. And we can learn what it means to feed ourselves, that the Word of God is the bread of life and God wants us to feed richly on him. So the second opportunity for us, you loved that one, didn't you? Oh, so many of you were going, yes, thank you. No, none of you did, but it's okay. Lack of exercise. The second one is lack of exercise. So here's my suggestion, serve. Find a place to serve. Don't, you know, I mean, you, we think, okay, you, you know, Spend money joining the gym, that's all fine with me, but serve. Find a place to serve. Find a place to exercise your gifts. Find a place to exercise your strengths. Find a place to exercise your heart in the lives of others. Find a place to serve. So feed yourself, find a place to serve, and then the third one is reduce mental capacity. um, Become part of the solution. So it's easy for us to watch the news and gripe, you know, yell at the screen. It's easy for us to complain about what's going on in the world. It's easy for us to talk about millennials. You know, Everybody wants to talk about millennials. Uh, it's easy for us to do all of that stuff. Um, that's, just, that's just allowing weeds to grow. If all we do is complain, if all we do is talk. Um, so here's the challenge is that when we think of those things, the, the, the thing that, that I want you to go to immediately is what can I do? How can I make this better? How can I contribute? Um, how can I come alongside somebody? How can I become a, a mentor, uh, whatever it is? But ask God to change your heart and rather than complaining, decide to be part of the solution. Lord, what would you have me do to help with this? What would you have me do to build your kingdom, uh, to, to honor you uh, in the world, to be the light of Christ? And and be part of the solution. Because here's the thing that we know, that all of, the, all of the hurts, all the challenges, all the prejudice, all of that stuff, it begins with hearts that, aren't, that don't belong to Jesus. And if we wanna be part of the solution, one of the things that we seriously have to consider is how do we help people see Jesus? How do we help people to, to hear about him, to know him, to find him as their savior, to, to model their lives after the Christ? How do we do that? So if you want something practical this morning, there you go. If you want to spend some time examining your heart and your life and, and des- determining where the weeds are, and I'm, I get it if you, if you feel like, um, you know, Larry, um, I don't know if I can read through the Bible in a year. Here, here's the thing, okay? Y- you guys, you know how to get on a computer Google reading the Bible. There's a thousand apps out there. I mean, you can, there's just no excuse for not doing it. Uh, there's so many ways. You can subscribe to, th- I mean, you can make it fun. Put it on your phone. I don't care. Uh, however you do it, but feed yourself. Don't allow the weeds just to grow randomly in your life. Don't allow the wall to just crumble from neglect. Feed, feed yourself. Uh, serve and then become part of the solution for the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. <laughs> it's not often that we get away with calling ourselves sluggards, Lord, and, but you know, I think there are points in my life where that's a, actually a pretty reasonable word. So Lord, I pray this morning that as we consider your word, as we consider our own vineyard, our hearts and our minds, Lord, that that you would speak to us, that you would challenge us, Lord. If we need to be convicted, Lord, convict us. If we we need to be comforted, Lord, please comfort us, strengthen us. But whatever it is, Lord, allow us to see the places in the vineyard of our heart and life that that need to be cleaned out and rebuilt on, on your principles and on who you are and on your great grace and your incredible love for us. Lord, we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me, please? Uh, Really appreciate you being here and helping us finish out 2017. Um, We'll have prayer partners in the corner. If you'd like prayer this morning, please take advantage of that and stop. And also, as always, uh, our prayer table as you go out, there's cards there, and you can write your prayer requests down. And it's our great privilege to pray over those requests uh, during the year. If you've been requesting prayer for something, like we got a we got a cool praise for a couple that was really nervous about uh, birth of a child, and the baby was born and healthy. And we send out praise too, you know, like hey, way to go! We prayed, and God answered our prayer, and it's awesome. So, feel put those down too. We love. We love thanking the Lord with you for his provision in our lives. So take advantage of all of that. Um, here, here, here's my prayer, is that um, between halves, of bowl games or whatever it is that we do, um, that we might take a moment and reflect on the vineyard that God has planted in our hearts and our lives. And take a minute to be honest about what it is that's going, we're the weeds in my life, we're the thorns. Where's the wall started to break down? And ask God to meet us in that place. You see, because he won't come to condemn us, he'll come to restore us. Uh, He comes to save us, he he comes to rebuild us. That's always God's heart and God's mercy. His mercies are new every morning and he offers us that opportunity. So take advantage uh, of that opportunity and allow God to do something brand new and fresh in your life. I love you guys. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.